I have a confession. Not on a dance floor because I am currently sitting and no music is playing, but I am always happy to eat my words and turn a smile when I am wrong. Case in point being that just when I think Madonna is not interested in celebrating an album milestone like the 35th anniversary of True Blue, a month after the anniversary, we get the Super Deluxe Edition on streaming with all the additional remixes, some of which haven't been on streaming previously, and some that I don't think I've even heard, such as the remix edit of True Blue. While I know some would have wished for some unreleased demos or even a physical release, which I am sure we all would have loved, I am happy to see that her and her team are in fact giving the fans some love. And to be fair, the HD version of Papa Don't Preach video was released on YouTube on the actual anniversary date of June 30th, which I didn't catch. Uh, they made an announcement on Madonna's.com site, but to be honest, I don't really go to that website on a regular basis anymore, nor am I much of a Twitter user where I think it was also posted. So I do apologize for not catching that, but but honestly, from Madonna, anything re-released from the past is a big deal. However minimal, such as videos in HD, which it's worth mentioning that the Cherished video was just released in HD and time for its 32nd anniversary. With what is happening, it's a good lead up to not only the new biopic that she's writing, oh, excuse me, rewriting, oof, um, <laughs> but the anticipated release of the Madame X concert film documentary. And speaking of concert film documentaries, today's topic is all about the music doc that tops them all and celebrating its 30th anniversary this year is Truth or Dare. Now, Truth or Dare is really an extension of the Blonde Ambition Tour because it is a documentary of what is happening behind the scenes of road life with Madonna, the dancers, tech crew, Madonna's family, which she gets very personal and reveals some very personal things that we didn't know at the time. Now, in other markets, the film was called In Bed with Madonna because of the whole scene at the end where she invites the dancers to a one-on-one -on -one chat in her bed, while the Truth or Dare title refers to the Truth or Dare game they play in the film. You know, where she shows us how she gives head to a bottle. Oh, we're going to go there because I have a tale to tell about that. Hello and welcome to the Madonna Get Together. It's your host, Wayne. And yes, I'm doing this show solo again because like the Blonde Ambition episode, I have a lot to say about this one too. And it's really personal for me. And since this is an extension of the Blonde Ambition tour, I'll bring up things about the show that I may not have mentioned in that episode, just as I may have brought up things about Truth or Dare in that episode that I probably don't need to mention here. What I didn't bring up in the last episode, because it's a sore subject for me, is that I didn't get to see the Blonde Ambition Tour live when I could have because of my mother. You lied to me, Sharon. That's my mom's name, not to be confused with Mama Makeup, Sharon Galt. More on her in a minute. Uh, so I live in Richmond, Virginia, and Madonna was playing at the, uh, I think it was called the Capitol Center at the time, um, the stadium where the Washington football team plays, who thankfully changed their name. 
Anyway, tickets were $30, nosebleeds, I am sure, but that would equate to about $60 in today's money. It was on a Friday and a Saturday. I begged, begged my mom to take me, and she told me she would. I was 11 at the time when Madonna would have played DC, and when the time came, my mom said she couldn't afford it, but I knew she could. It, it would have been just the two of us. And I think it really had more to do with traveling to D.C. It can be a pain. I know as an adult with traffic, parking, etc. Just not something you necessarily look forward to and just don't want to do. Especially if you have no interest. Which my mom had zero, zero interest in Madonna. But I had extremely high hopes of going. My birthday is in July. So I remember saying it could be my birthday present. But it didn't happen and believe me, I cried in my room for not being able to go. So cut to Christmas that year. This is 1990 still. And what do me and my two older sisters get in our stocking? A ticket to go see New Kids on the Fucking Block. And I remember thinking, are you fucking kidding me right now? I had no interest in New Kids on the Block. And I looked at my one sister, Stephanie, because I knew she didn't like them either. And we were both like, why are we getting these? Well, my oldest sister, Christina, was obsessed with them. And where does my mind go? Oh, I can't see Madonna for $30 when it's just two people. But all of a sudden during Christmas, in addition to all these other presents, and well, I mean, honestly, we were poor, so there really wasn't that many other presents. All of a sudden, you can afford five tickets. It was like for me, my two sisters, my mom, and her boyfriend at the time. I remember being a little brat and saying, I don't want to go. And my mom said I was ungrateful, which I 100% was. But also, still holding a grudge, which I still hold today. I mean, not really, but I do give my mom a hard time about it now and then. I mean, listen, I, I know she worked hard and she wanted to do something nice and... I've lived a, a great and privileged life, so I, of course, now see as an adult how childish I was being, but I mean, Madonna, New Kids on the Block, I know who I'd rather see. Um, so just to clarify, I did not see New Kids on the Block. My mom ended up selling my ticket, my other sister Stephanie's ticket, and I think like one of her or her boyfriend's. Anyway, I, I, think, I think my sister Christina ended up going with a friend or something and we sold the other tickets. I don't fully remember, but again, I think for my mom, it was a distance thing too. Niggas on the Block were playing at the Richmond Coliseum, which was like less than 20 minute drive into the city while Madonna was over two hours away. But <laughs> anyway, enough about me being ungrateful. Let's get on with the show. Before we get into it though, let's, let's set the scene, right? Blonde Ambition Tour is over. She closed out the summer of 1990 with a send-off to Vogue and a spectacular performance on the 1990 MTV Video Music Awards in September. Not a stranger to controversy, a couple months after, Madonna lands in hot water with the public for her steamy video for Justify My Love, which got the first ever ban from MTV, but it didn't impact her sales for the revolutionary introduction of the video single, nor the Immaculate Collection. Uh, if you want to hear more than that, please go back and listen to the first episode. Um, so I'm not sure the public is really feeling her at this point. She garnered some attention when she attended the 1991 Academy Awards with Michael Jackson, looking like a million bucks because she was wearing millions of dollars 
of Harry Winston jewelry, looking very Marilyn Monroe-esque inspired, and gave the vocal performance of a fucking lifetime. And she was in talks to write a song for Michael Jackson called In the Closet, but I don't think he liked it. Like, he didn't like what she came up with, so he made a different song with the same title that we all know of today. Um, I don't think Madonna's version has ever been heard. So, anyway, at this point in time, even if the public seems to not be interested in what Madonna is going to do next, secretly, they love to know what it's like. And they did. They found out. Especially when Truth or Dare was released in May of 1991. I believe in the lead-up to the premiere, she did her pre-recorded press interview, so like Dinner with Madonna with MTV's Kurt Loder, um, the interview with Regis Philman for Regis and Kathy Lee were filmed, as well as like a few others, and they were required to be filmed, or at least broadcast in black and white, so that it would match the look of the documentary. And she's got her blonde bombshell look. For the premieres, though, she goes dark hair, and she looks great. And she looks different in all the premieres. So in Cannes, it's like these big bouffant curls with this pink kimono and a Jean-Paul Gaultier white bullet bra and underwear underneath. And then uh, in L.A., her hair looks like long, dark, and she's got that really dark, smoky eye. And in New York, it's a little bit more classed up, where she's wearing that bejeweled bodysuit. And also the dark hair, I believe, was in preparation for her to film A League of Their Own also referred lovingly by Madonna and Rosie O'Donnell as Our Summer with Laverne. Of course, referring to the director, um, Penny Marshall, who played Laverne on the show Laverne and Shirley. Oh, and speaking of, uh, a, a new Amazon series for A League of Their Own is being produced, and apparently Rosie is going to be, uh, Rosie is going to appear in that show at some point. So that might be interesting to watch, hopefully better than that sitcom that came out after the movie. Well, Anyway, let's get back in business and to the topic at hand. I am certainly grateful and delighted that we were given the gift that is Truth or Dare, which I regret to inform you that, again, I didn't get to see this. I never got to see it in theaters. Uh, thanks again, Sharon. It was probably my punishment for acting like a brat at Christmas time, but get ready for more of my ranting and ungratefulness to hear about why in a bit. Um, but... If we start with just the trailer, we capture the essence of what the doc will be about. She opens the trailer up by saying, People think about being a star is about being fabulous, being in the spotlight, having your picture taken all the time, and having everyone worship and adore you. Being rich, 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 having it all. And you know what? They're absolutely right. I hope my Madonna impression was good enough for you guys. Um, but to me, this personified the Madonna we were going to get to see. Yep, she's vain and she has no regrets. She's a boss bitch and owns that, setting the standard of what to expect. But yet you do get to see Madonna own all aspects of herself, whether it's having the whole city follow you in Paris while you're shopping or sitting there without makeup getting your hair bleached with a cap on, talking to your dad about your brother's alcoholism. And she even said that she loved seeing herself look, in her words, grody. I won't go scene by scene because hopefully anyone who is listening has seen Truth or Dare or In Bed with Madonna. And if you haven't, well, don't just stand there. Let's get to it. I 
recently just did a viewing on my birthday with some of my younger friends who had never seen it before, and they were enthralled. There were definitely a few problematic terms and scenes in there by today's standards, so it really is a sign of the time of where we were as a society. Um, there were quite a few F-bombs throughout the movie, and I'm not talking about the word fuck. Um, but yes, Ollie, Mr. Oliver Crooms, says the F-word a few times, as does Madonna herself. But it is worth mentioning that Oliver has apologized since, has said that all of the other dancers, who are all gay except him, completely changed his life for the better. He loves each and every one of them uh, for making him a better person. And also... If you've seen the follow-up documentary, Strike a Pose, which catches up with the dancers 25 years later to see what they're up to now, and they have this big reunion, and it's it's really kind of satisfying to see. Um, oh, and, and speaking of 25th anniversary, there was, there was this random viewing in New York City, and guess who shows up? Fucking Madonna. No one was expecting it. And boom, there she was. What's great about Truth or Dare is really to see the impact Madonna has on all her fans, as well as the world. Uh, the impact on her family, as well as her crew and her dancers. The doc does try to tell the story in a chronological order. You can see in the beginning, um, where they're filming in Japan, Madonna is a bit more resistant to the filming, but gradually opens up more and more and either pretends they're not there or possibly hams it up just because they are. In fact, if you see interviews with Alec Kashishian, he mentions this in press interviews. I, I think Madonna wasn't initially sure what she may have been getting herself into with this documentary. And as soon as she rolled with it, you get a more and more relaxed and fun Madonna. Her interaction with the dancers is really fun to watch because I think they are so young and, and impressionable. And she knows she kind of has the power over them. And it's interesting to watch her switch hats between being the motherly figure to them, to the sisterly figure to Donna and Nikki, and the sister to her brother, Chris, the, the performer to her show, and the boss to Freddie, John Draper, and Keith, you motherfucker. Throughout this documentary, there is the constant issue Madonna is having with her sound, whether it's the sound system issue for her show or the sound of her own voice, which she is losing at this point. It's it's like really amazing to watch her battle through it because, you know, you can see how much work went into putting this show together, especially if you've seen the Bond Mission Tour. And, you know, venues are booked, they're sold out, and she's not canceling her shows and she's not changing her fucking show. But again, it's quite interesting to watch her jump into the different roles and how it emotionally challenges her. And on, on top of that, a film crew that is constantly following her before the commonality of things like reality shows existed. So, you know, it, it really was celebrity reality show before it was the cool thing to do. Um, so some of the things were caught on film that were very revealing, possibly not in good ways for everyone. Um, for instance, Gabriel, one of the dancers sued Madonna along with Oliver and Kevin but the reason why I feel like Gabriel sued Madonna is because he was not out to his family and it was a little too revealing or like an invasion of privacy and this traumatized him because he kissed another guy during the filming and it was it's in that truth or dare scene where he kisses slam and that's how his family found out 
but um, to that, I just want to say, you know, as a gay teenager in a time where you can literally get beat the shit out of you or even killed. And, and of course, I, I know that that could still and does happen today, but it was so taboo to even admit you were gay. And there was little to no representation of gay people on television, in movies, or just like in the community. And if there were, it was completely centered around being a freak or being on a panel of a trash talk TV show like Jerry Springer. So to see two adult men just like be gay and kiss without being treated like it was a freak show and, you know, seeing that whole pride parade scene, especially when it was like silent and then there was that gradual cheering, it was like, for me, it was very enlightening and satisfying to see because it was um, almost like a portal to a life that I didn't know could exist. But of course, I also feel for Gabriel because, you know, of the shame he had to carry and experience because his family did not accept his homosexuality. It was, it's kind of really sad. And unfortunately, he passed away a few years later due to his complication with AIDS. And if you watch the Strike Opposed documentary, his mother is still like very furious and basically blames everything on Madonna, which I don't agree with. But you can tell that even, you know, almost 30 years later, she's still grieving. And it's it's just really sad to see. Another serious moment in the film is when Sharon Galt, Mama Makeup, uh, the makeup artist, was drugged and raped. So watching the scene as an adult, it's, it's kind of really hard to watch. Because I feel like Sharon wasn't really respected or taken seriously. And perhaps it was the editing, but I just feel like the only person who really took her situation seriously was Carlton. There was a, a moment where Madonna kind of like chuckled or laughed, uh, which she admits was inappropriate. And, you know, possibly it was just out of nervous laughter. And um, me as a teenager, you know, I'm embarrassed to admit that somehow I found humor right along with Madonna. Um, but at the same time, it seems like the attention was more given to Oliver because he was going through that whole like press drama. And then, you know than what, like, Sharon was actually feeling. And again, possibly editing, um, you know, it was, it's a reflection of the sign of the time of what was, what was acceptable, and, it, and it's unfortunate to say that. But it even seems like Donna and Nikki were just kind of, like, not interested when Sharon was like, I'm just gonna hang out with you guys from now on, and Donna and Nikki were like, what? Uh, okay, while well, they're just, like, doing their hair and makeup. And, and, and honestly, the film, at least for me, made it seem like the fault also may have been her own, which I think particularly now with the Me Too movement, and even show, even though it shouldn't take something like that, it was just more of a sad feeling that her life and the limited reaction of, of those closest to her are like forever documented. And again, sign of the times of what things were like and what was acceptable. I know that Sharon has since been arrested in like trouble for like trying to stab her sister with an umbrella or, or some shit like that, but I think it's just... Um, I think about the trauma that she carries around with her from that incident, and who knows what else, and how it's a little unfair to judge her for anything further damaging to her life after the tour ended. You know, however, I will say that she has gone on to continue her career. She's working with many other artists, like uh, she worked with Michael Jackson, Rihanna, Lady Gaga, and more. Like, So I'm just glad she's been able to find happiness and continue with her work. Now, I... And 
I just want to say, like, I'm I'm sure some listeners are going to be like, well, she's, you know, Madonna's Madonna, and that's just what you sign up for. My response is like, no, 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 no. We as fans might understand the impact she has and the effect on something like this documentary would have, but I don't think anyone involved fully understands the impact, particularly in those days of, of what it means to have such, um, or have so much filmed about you. And particularly when you are so young, like not everyone is like Madonna speaking to like when her news were leaked in the early eighties, which could have ended her career potentially. But I think the way she handled it is what made her superior for it and actually helped her career. Um, and she speaks about this with, in the dinner with Madonna interview with Kurt Loder. But again, like not everyone is like that. People are vulnerable. People get scared. People get hurt. And people need understanding. I'm definitely speaking more from the point of view of this day and age where things like mental health awareness is more expected than it was back then. And this is not pointing a finger at Madonna and saying, oh, how could she? It's it's more, I think, for me, uh, it's more personal for me to watch this movie and really see how much I've grown and matured watching it today. But en- enough about the gloom. <laughs> There's more, more, more situations that take place that are such fun and amazing. And we haven't even gotten to many of the quotes that many of us fans use on a daily basis or, or so unconsciously. David Fincher was originally tapped to do the concert footage, you know, the director of Express Yourself, Oh Father, Vogue, and then later with, like, Bad Girl. And Alec Kashishian was doing the backstage stuff for an HBO special. And it's just amazing at how this quickly evolved into a full-fledged documentary rock doc. Like, and you should check out the Vulture article that came out earlier this year titled The Oral History of Madonna's Truth or Dare the groundbreaking pop documentary, Participants Look Back, 30 Years Later. Yes, that's that's the entire title. It was written by Matthew Jacobs. And if you head over to MLVC Podcast, if you haven't already, the guys chat with him and talk about this article. Don't go there now. Finish listening to mine first, um, which I, I actually haven't even listened to it yet either because I think I told you in the last episode, I've kept myself from listening to any podcast that were recorded uh, before I have recorded the Blonde Ambition and Truth or Dare episodes because I wanted to remain unbiased. Um, I didn't want to you know, steal any ideas. So again, if you hear any similarities between mine and anybody, other podcasts that has been released in the past couple months about Blonde Ambition or Truth or Dare, it's completely coincidental. Um, so I'm looking forward to now that I'm recording this, I can go back and listen to it. But this article perfectly curates interviews from those involved and articulates the impact that this film had on our social culture, still to this day, 30 years later. In fact, the uh, Lady Gaga's Five Foot Two director stated that he had to watch Truth or Dare during the filming to ensure that he wasn't copying what Madonna had already done, which is quite a statement since many already point out the similarities between Lady Gaga and Madonna. <coughs> Born this way. <coughs> um, but what's great about Madonna in this film is how unfazed she is about any celebrity that comes to see her show. And I am, of course, talking about Kevin Costner who calls her show neat, to which she replies by sticking her finger down her throat, 
before he's even left the room to signify barfing and says, Neat? Anyone who calls my show is neat has got to go. Um, but what I find interesting about this is if we back it up a little bit, uh, Kevin Costner says, I don't think we'll be making that other deal. And her response is like, oh, not neat enough for you? But the deal I think he's referring to is the possibility of Madonna being the star of one of his upcoming films, which I think evolved into what The Bodyguard is. Um, now, please correct me if I'm wrong, people. I know this would not be the same bodyguard that we know of today. Definitely not the same music, but maybe like a similar storyline, which would, I think be really interesting but at the same time like I feel like Madonna couldn't play a superstar bigger than who she was there's no way that she could play anything uh of the same caliber of herself or even bigger I mean she's she's doing it here in truth or dare there could literally be no comparison so it's actually a good thing that that never came to be truth or dare also documents her relationship with Warren he doesn't even have a fake name Beatty. However, not as much as one would expect. I think Warren was kind of, uh, based on what I see, I kind of feel like Warren was over Madonna at this point, and probably vice versa. Like, she was over him. Um, it seemed like they just stayed together until the premiere of Dick Tracy, because uh, he seemed, he was very uncomfortable at any point during the movie, which is a little unexpected for, you know, an accomplished actor. But I guess he didn't want to be on, so to speak. Um, he makes a great point to what she says to her, like, she doesn't want to live off camera. Why would you say anything if it's off camera? And I think it really let him know where she was at her point in her life and in her career and, and like, vice versa. That, you know, Warren didn't want any of this extra attention. Um, but apparently, yeah, they broke up in the midst of the tour, which they don't talk about. It's not addressed in the movie, because um, when she's in Spain, she's trying for the attention of Antonio Banderas, which didn't go to his plan because, you know, like he was already married, and, and she didn't know that, apparently. But um, but also, like, Pedro Almodovar, I, I can't pronounce his name. I'm, I apologize, guys. He doesn't have nice things to say about her, so, because... You know, he invited her to this party, and he has said in recent articles, like, she just made a spectacle of herself. Well, I mean, I mean, <laughs> duh, it's Madonna. Um, and of course, you know, we didn't know Madonna could get to this point. Like, we didn't know the level of divaness of Madonna until we saw this movie, right? Can we agree on that? Like, she was, of course, a diva. She had a very brazen and, and spoken out mind, and she was in control of everything, but like when we see her in this movie, we know that she's about no bullshit. She gets her way, and I just don't think people, um, maybe at that time, didn't know that that's how it was going to be. Um, but yeah, he he does not talk about her in this article in a very good light at all. But I mean, for me watching the movie, honestly, it just looks like Madonna is just. They're just trying to be playful and have a good time. Speaking of playful, let's talk about Moira. Maureen McFarland, Madonna's childhood idol, who just wants to see Madonna. I just, I just want to see Madonna. A little update. She had the baby. It came out a girl. And she named her Madonna. I don't believe that uh, Madonna's the godmother. 
but probably not. But apparently she showed up at, I, th- I think it was the MDNA show, and some fans recognized her and talked with her, and her daughter was there with her. I do wonder, though, does Madonna still have that painting? It wasn't bad, really. <laughs> While in Detroit, when she saw Maureen, um, we meet her brother Marty, who can get past the star bullshit, and misses her show for one reason or another. Some story about a limo driver and Visine is involved. I don't know. During her time in Detroit, she visits her mother's grave, which, again, like some people saw this as as more of an exploitation, um, including her brother Chris, who wanted no part of doing that filming. Like he just stood by a tree. Madonna's response when talking to Kurt Loder was that it's part of her life. the The truth of doing this film was to not hold back and to show things that were personal and normally uncomfortable for her. Um, I will say that, though, like, using Promise to Try was just such a perfect choice for that scene, and it honestly showed a vulnerable side to Madonna and also let people know once and for all that Madonna was her real name and that she was named after her mother because it was believed that, like, even up to that point, that some people didn't believe that that was her name. They thought it was just her stage name. But I I know some people at the time, like, had a problem with that scene, which I don't know why they should have a problem with it. It's it's her, and if, if her family has a problem with it, of course, they'd probably discuss it as a family or whatever. Like, it really has nothing to do with viewers, so either watch the movie or don't, or I don't know. But her dad is in this film, too, and there's that whole conversation with him on the phone. It's It's just gold. I mean... A dad, for one, asking the biggest star in the universe if she can get tickets for him to see her own show is just fucking hilarious. And then and then asking her to uh, tone down the show for her and, you know, because it was it would be too racy. And, of course, Dad, I'm not getting racy. I've been racy. But can't you tone it down for you? No, because that would be compromising my artistic integrity. You can't make that shit up. I remember when um, uh, me and Steven from the Immaculate Podcast were talking about this. I mentioned I laughed when I heard Madonna say this statement, uh, even like as a teenager. Because for me, this is this is me kind of like accepting that Madonna is owning who she is. And to be having such an innocent conversation with her father to then just jump into this artist and performer mindset by her saying those words. It's just like, this woman is so amazing and... And then she just sings happy birthday to her dad to have him come on stage. And she bows at his feet. It's It shows that they have like a perfectly great relationship. And he comes backstage where she strips in the next room burlesque style and flashes her bona fide and real thing titties. And, you know, of course, like after that, her, her dad comes in and they, they talk about the show. And I th- always thought it was funny where he's like, he's like, yeah, 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 I know art. And she's like, it has nothing to do with art. And I'm like, but doesn't it? <laughs> That's her whole thing is artistic integrity and, and art. And I'm an artist. And I mean, I think she just didn't want to like, she wanted her dad to understand her and where she's coming from and presenting this, presenting this artwork. And, you know, tries to convince him it's like taking a cathartic journey and and her dad's just like, yeah, okay. (laughs) Because that's that's like the response you expect your parent to do. Like, even if they don't buy into what you're doing, they're just kind of like, okay, well, I support you. I'm here. I, I 
you got me a ticket. I'm here for you. I'm going to come to every... And he has gone to like every show, I believe. Which I I think it's it's great that they still have a really good relationship. Uh, one of the most exciting moments for me, though, like the whole like a virgin controversy. And when she almost got arrested in Toronto, the fascist state of Toronto, um, the whole thing was just like ensued in hilarity over the absurdness that this would get someone arrested, someone who has promoted safe sex, did an AIDS benefit, even for this tour for Keith Haring, and it was just like, what? And and Madonna's response is, I'm not changing my fucking show. And, you know, Freddie asked to give her more time to straighten out, and she's like, no, like, what's to straighten out? Um, let's just go do the show, and whatever happens, happens. And even watching this, I'm like, I was on the edge of my seat when I first saw this movie, and I'm like, wait, does she get arrested? Which I feel like I would have totally known. But, you know, I'm I'm still... I, I haven't seen this movie for so I'm like on the edge of my seat just like just waiting to see what happens. And then they cut to the whole like rock singer Madonna. And at first I'm relieved because she didn't get arrested. And then the next, next thing I'm like, rock singer? She ain't no damn rock singer. She's the queen of fucking pop. Thank you very much. Oh. <laughs> and all you fans out there that are fans of Truth or Dare, you need to see Medusa Dare to be Truthful. Starring comedian Julie Brown, Uptown Julie Brown, and a young unknown comedian, Kathy Griffin. It is a parody of this movie with original songs, which are actually pretty legit, and I love them. And I remember laughing my ass off. Because, you know, it's it's very tongue-in-cheek. It's, it's, it's a parody. It's Yes, it's making fun of Madonna, but it's having... It's... The fun is in there, and you get that. And um, I think Madonna didn't really have any hard feelings about it. And to show her support, she sent Julie Brown a, like a half-warm used bottle of champagne with a post-it note saying, good luck on your show, which is a perfect, perfect response. I, I'm sure Madonna and Julie Brown got a kick out of that. I haven't talked about the music too much because it's all from the Blonde Mission Tour. And I talk about that on my last episode. But the songs are perfectly placed. Uh, it's mostly in the same set list order of the show. Uh, one that stands out aside from the rest, um, aside from the best rendition of Like a Virgin Ever, is the Live to Tell performance, where they intercut her addressing the Italian press, where in Italy the Vatican was trying to boycott the show. I think she was already excommunicated like 237 times already, but you know, um, if you can find the press interview online, it's much longer. And she keeps shouting at the press in Italian because they keep speaking over her. And she was there to make a statement. No one was allowed to talk and no one was allowed to ask any questions. So every time someone interrupted her, she's like, I'm going to start all over. Which again, like you watch this and I mean, the first question that I think comes to just uh, a general person who who's not a fan of Madonna is like, who is this girl? Who's that girl? Like who... Well, first of all, she's a woman, but, um, and you know, I'm making a play on words here, but she is just this amazing person who commands attention and gets it, gets the respect that she deserves to be a woman in 1990, even though it was better than being a woman, like say in the eighties or the seventies or the sixties, but to be the type of person that Madonna was in the nineties was just it's hard to really fathom the impact that I think a lot of people kind of overlook or dismiss about 
uh, Madonna and her impact on social culture, especially empowering women, which I don't think, I mean, I think she gets credit now, but I think it's harder for someone who, you know, is coming of age in this, in this day and age, because Madonna's already laid the groundwork. Everyone else has, has kind of come in on the speeding train after her and has been able to do a lot of the things that they're able to do in in the music industry as a music artist because of Madonna. Wearing underwear on stage, like that was Madonna. And that's not to say that other artists didn't do that, but Madonna got the attention for it. Madonna also got the slack for it and the shit beaten out of her, metaphorically, because of it. And I just think that to watch this press release... Um, especially within the movie while they're doing Live to Tell. It's just a great way that helped tell the story of what was happening at that point during the tour. What I will say is when Truth or Dare came out, they started putting, I remember they started putting these um, stickers on the Immaculate Collection that said, music from Truth or Dare. And I was like, oh my God, did they redo the Immaculate Collection? Like, was there a studio version of Like a Virgin? on there or are there live tracks on there and I I think that was the only thing I ever want to know the answer was a big emphatic no because I did buy a new copy and was extremely disappointed um, that nothing was different on there I do also love that they closed the movie with keep it together it's one of my favorite songs and performances from the tour and it was a great choice to close the tour with as it does in the movie too um, what I failed to mention in my last episode was the inclusion of the intro to the song, which was a rendition of Sly and the Family Stone's Family Affair. I love when Madonna does this. She does it again afterwards in the girly show with Sly and the Family Stone um, for Everybody is a Star and Dance to the Music for the song Everybody. And um, of course, she she's always integrated songs in with her songs like Just My Imagination with Rain. Um, as well as in the previous tours, like Billie Jean with Like a Virgin, and Sugar Pie Honey Bunch with Like a Virgin from Who's That Girl, and of course, Groove Me with Into the Groove for Blonde Admission that I mentioned in the last episode. And it's all great and all fun to hear all the time. Um, so Donna and Nikki, Donna DeLore and Nikki Harris, were in the foreground and so highly featured in blonde ambition as well as in truth or dare and you know in tours to come afterwards which i think is why fans have this connection with them as we do today and we still want to hear from them and what they do even though they don't work with madonna any longer i do want to call out some notable highlights for nikki which are you know some of her quotes or at least quotes for me that that always have resonated with me and stick in my head is like they rest about it around fucking on stage they arrested him for fucking on stage. And her claim that pearls aren't real and leading to the chant, Madonna can't afford real pearls. You know, she convinced Madonna to open her Toronto show saying, do you believe in freedom? Instead of, you know, do you believe in love? And of course, her famous imitation of Madonna on tour in 2025. And when she goes, like a virgin, I got the moves, baby. You got the notion. I just love that. And which I will say 2025 is only three and a half short years away. So how great would it be if Madonna performed like a virgin and causing a commotion as Nikki predicted 31 years ago? Like, wouldn't that just be amazing? 
because Nikki gets to say, I, I called it. <laughs> um, and then we have Donna, who thinks she speaks French, but she doesn't even understand English. Plus, she's from the Valley and only has half of Madonna's name, and it's the second half. <laughs> um, we get Donna imitating Belinda Carlisle, which I found funny, but not sure Belinda did, but I think they've like made up sense, and, and Belinda's like, well, I don't even think about that. Um, and in the Truth or Dare scene, Donna is actually the only one who not only is the only one who asks Madonna questions, but is the only one who asks both a truth and a dare, both to Madonna. Truth being who is the love of her life, and of course Madonna's like, Sean, Sean. And of course the infamous dare of giving head to a bottle. Oh, okay, so here is a good point to bring up why I wasn't allowed to see Truth or Dare in the theater. So these were the times where footage doesn't leak online or anything like that. So everything is word of mouth. Maybe there's an article in a paper that's written about it or whatever. My mom somehow got the idea in her head, and I believe it was because of my sister Christina, who had a, a friend of a brother of a cousin who saw it and told my sister, who then told my mom, that Madonna sticks a bottle up her vagina on film in the movie theater of just a regular rated R film. Yeah, does it make sense? I didn't think so either. Now, I'm sure that I probably still wouldn't have been allowed to see it, even though it was just Madonna fellating a bottle, but I think it, it like, set this tone for my mom that she wanted me to have nothing to do with Madonna. So I was forbidden to see it. Cut to us having one of those like free HBO weekend previews or something. And guess what was premiering? Truth or dare. So that's actually how I saw it is when it premiered on HBO um, during a free weekend that the cable company was giving or something. So it was either, I, I don't remember if it was on a Friday or Saturday night or whatever, um, but I was watching on HBO. Both my sisters were in the room. Of course, when that scene came on, my sister was like, see, I told you. But of course, it, it wasn't Madonna putting a fucking bottle inside of herself. But my sister thought it might as well be. So yes, another sore spot in my teenage years of being denied access from Madonna... So, should we go into some quotes? Should we try to have a holiday? Yeah, right. Um, some of them, you know, aren't even necessarily from Madonna herself, but just from the film itself. But, uh, okay, most are from her. Um, I'm just going to say some, and you guys can either fast forward to the end, or you can just listen to me try to talk like Madonna for the next, like, five minutes or so. She's getting pissed. Why don't you take a poll? Yeah, take a poll and ram it up your ass. Julie, shut up and don't tell me to tune it out. All of you, put your black tights on, put the Vogue costumes on, put your jackets on, and that's your costume for the night. Definitely one of the all-time worst... It's pretty racy in some sections. I don't know if you can take it two nights. Oh, you had to get racy on me. Dad, I'm not getting racy. I've been racy. 
Well, can't you tone it down for you? No, because that would be compromising my artistic integrity. Of course. Do, do you undress in this performance? No, of course not. That's her eating the, the, the soup. Um, halfway through, get into the groove. The monitors went off on stage and I cannot hear myself. And he's standing there like he doesn't know what's going on. So many things that could fuck up. And boy, did they. Well, put me on their fucking frequency then. And, you know. <coughs> Motherfuck. I, I swear to God, do something else. Do my eyebrows. Freddy, fuck you. There was not. It was in causing a commotion and open your heart and keep it together. And where's the party in vogue? My sound kept cutting out of my headset. Kept cutting out. Uh, don't tell me you didn't know. See how good I am when I'm pissed off? The crowd was tough. Sean. Sean. See? I get what I want. If you don't get over here now, I'm leaving without you, you know. I did too. I never said that. All you have to do is tell them I am not changing my show. I am an artist and this is how I express myself. Where else am I nasty? I'm replenishing my fluids. It's very obey everything I say. Very Janet Jackson rhythm nation. Bite your tongue. Hello, Gautier. Listen, I told you. Chanelta needs a sales girl downstairs now. You buy me my Tampax and rubbers and all. Size large. I'm getting a hard on, okay? You're not asking the question, motherfucker. It ain't, it ain't all fucking hunky-dory. Honey, my titties are bona fide in the real thing. Madonna can't afford real pearls. Madonna can't afford real pearls. I can too, I tell you. I'm rich. Okay, but do we want to have an R rating or an X rating? X! X for extra fun! We're smelling boots! Okay, I'm done. <laughs> Again, this, this will be um, documented for posterity for myself. And, um, I don't know, maybe I'll just listen to it over and over again. <laughs> but again, hopefully you guys fast forwarded through that. If not, it's there for your listening pleasure. Don't forget, if, if you're either new to the movie or if you haven't seen it very often, there is, like, talking throughout the credits and it's them all in bed and them pretending to try to go to sleep, but they don't. Um, and then there's the after credit scene. Uh, you know, before Marvel made us watch credits... Madonna did it first. Hashtag Madonna did it first. Where she kind of gives Alex a hard time about filming her. And she wanted it to stop. I'm guessing that was in the beginning in Japan. Um, but just to close out this episode about Truth or Dare. Uh, it's definitely one of my favorite things to watch. I could watch it any day, any time. I will put on the Bond Ambition Tour and I will watch this right afterwards. There's, I, I totally, and I said this before, I totally wish there was the concert footage from Paris that's used in this movie. That would be my dream if it was ever released one day. 
Um, but I will close it with uh, a Kashishian quote that um, was used in that Vulture article that I told you about earlier. You know, Warren Beatty had said to him, you don't do this. This is not how you create stardom. And Alex Kashishian said, that's why Truth or Dare worked. No other star had done it yet. Once Truth or Dare did it, you kind of can't do it again. And it's kind of unfair to expect other people to. So that's just to kind of tell you, I know that some other documentaries from other music stars have come out afterwards, sort of, I, I won't say trying to do the same thing, but, you know, being followed, showing parts of their personal life, as well as working. And I, for me, I honestly love the, I love the process of watching things be created, such as like a, a movie or um, music. And I think music in particular, because it's, it's very creative and on the spot a lot of the times. So it's really interesting to see that and to hear Alex Kashishian say that because when I'm going to tell you a secret came around, Madonna wanted him to film that as kind of a truth or dare part two. And he's like, I'm not going to do that. We already did that. And she's like, well, I want to show how I've matured. And he's like, well, then all you're doing is trying to apologize for what you did in truth or dare. And, you know, in a way he was right. Like, I'm going to tell you a secret while interesting and fun to watch it's not the same as truth or dare. I don't pop on, I'm going to tell you a secret, but it doesn't mean that it isn't amazing and documents another amazing tour from her that also was not released, just as Blonde Ambition wasn't um, for the reinvention tour. Um, but yeah, I mean, truth or dare is where it's at for me. And it's kind of like it closes out this, this period of Madonna and then starts the new part, well, like erotica and the sex book. Um, and beyond that throughout the 90s. So I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I am looking to hear from a fan that's that's really big into Evita. I'd really like to talk about that, and that's going to be a big episode because it is the 25th anniversary of Evita, and I'd like to talk to some people about it. Maybe it's a, a joint thing where I want to talk about the movie and, of course, like the soundtrack. So, And it's all kind of one in the same right like the movie is a performance of the soundtrack so reach out to me dm me on instagram at madonna get together and be sure to rate and review this wherever you're listening to this from and i would greatly appreciate it take care guys i'll talk to you soon